0: Okay, well, I remember when I was a young fella in uh, when we went to Melbourne for holidays. My granny used to have this garage out the back, and it was always locked. And but it was really intriguing, you know. You'd go out and you'd be looking at it, going, "Wow, I wonder what's in there." But I I didn't have access to that place. It was a wooden structure. It was quite big, but every now and then we could actually enter into it. My granny had the key, of course, because it was her house, and she'd sometimes have us to have a sleep over there because when we went down, we were living in her house, which meant because we had a family that was, I think it was five and six kids. Ke- no, not five and six kids. I'm talking about five and six people at times. And so granny had to vacate her house, and she went out and she'd sleep in the shed, which was really nice of her. But it was just amazing that whenever we could go in there it was just like another world. we we go in and, because my granny was really into books and stuff like that, so she kept a lot from uh, when her kids were young. Uh, I don't know if you've ever had that chance where you when you're a kid and you go to someone's house and you're looking and you're, and you're seeing there's toys or books or stuff you've never seen before, and it's like another world. You're, you're so excited. She also had these plastic cowboys and Indians, so that was really exciting for me, of course. Um most people would think that's a pretty boring toy but to me I'd spend hours playing with it. And the books were like things like The Boys' Almanac and things like that which a lot of us don't know about but they used to have these books like The, the Boys' Annual and The Girls' Annual and The Disney Annual and whatever it was and it would have all these stories of adventure and stuff in it. So we'd go in and sit there for hours literally just reading things. And that's... Something that most of us can remember, right? And even now, there might be workplaces that you're in where there's only certain people can have access to certain areas. It's like you see the door locked and you're intrigued. What's behind that door? And you always want to know, don't you? You always want to see what's behind there, even if you don't care really. It's just the unknown. What's that place like? And, And it's always... Intriguing because we're thinking it's that important but I can't get in there. Not authorised to enter in. And so this Easter Sunday, I want us to think about Jesus in that way. There was a veil that was locked that we couldn't enter into. That us before Christ, we were sinners. Jesus came, he paid the price for us, the death on the cross, so that we could now become members of the family of God that we could enter into this amazing place where we can actually be filled with the Holy Spirit that the presence of God could now dwell in us. So instead of dwelling in a place behind a curtain, the presence of God, the presence of God is now available to all of us as we enter into that place. Now I'm going to be talking more about another type of veil today in regard to that. But what I'd like to encourage you to do is to take full access to this amazing gift that christ has given us we're going to be looking at a story about moses and a veil that he wore the story is in the old testament but we're also going to look at the new testament verses about it and so there's something that happened when jesus came he opened up the way for us to look at god and bring change now, I know I've preached a couple of very challenging messages over the last few weeks. And sometimes we can be a little bit disturbed by that. We're like, well, how can I change? How can I become less selfish? How can I become more bold? How can I be the person that God wants me to be? And one of the things that can happen is your heart gets challenged in a way that makes you feel guilty, that makes you feel condemned to think I'm not good, or I'm not worthy, I've got to try harder. But this morning what I'm hoping to do is point you to how God wants us to change. And it's not through our own effort in terms of trying to be good. But there is something that we do need to do. But the change that happens in us is because of the work of Christ that's in us. It's not because we're so good at trying that we can become this perfect person that the challenges that we get aren't actually fixed by us trying to fix them. They're fixed in a different way. So what I'd like to do is invite our first guest up. And it's a lady called Kelly. Would you love to come up, please? <laughs> and I've asked these guys some questions, the three that, throughout the um service, just to talk a little bit about how they've come to know God. So this is Kelly, everyone. <laughs>
1: And Neil sent me three questions and I picked one that he asked me to pick one and focus on it. And it was the difference between knowing about God and actually knowing God. Well, I grew up knowing about God. <coughs> went to church with my parents on Easter and Christmas because that's what they did. And then my mother decided that she was going to go back to the church so we'd go every Sunday. And I did. We went every Sunday. But to me it was about rules and guilt and regulations, and what you had to follow. You must do this, or you can't go to heaven. You must do this, or you can't know God. You must do this, or they won't love you. He doesn't love you. And so I got married, got lazy, (laughs) had kids, stopped going to church, stopped praying. And um, about 14 months ago, my littlest one, I've got five children, broke her leg. And I was pretty low at that point. And um, uh, my older daughter, Laura, came to church and she'd come here a number of times with different people over the years and uh, she said to me when we got out of hospital, Mum, why don't we go to church on Sunday? Oh, all right, if you want. She goes, I know people there. It's okay. You know lots of people there. And I do. I know Kathleen and I know Shelley and I know Neil and Joe I know more of you now. And um, so we did. And the first time I came, I didn't sit and listen to Neil. I went and sat in the creche with Rebecca in the air conditioning. Laura went off to kids' church and she had fun. So I came for three weeks and didn't sit out here and listen to Neil do his sermon. And then I went into the creche one day and Rebecca, even in her cast, was crawling around very happy to be there. And Katrina Harley was there and she's a good friend of mine. She said, Kelly, she's fine. Go and sit and listen to Neil. So I did. So over the last 14 months, Laura and I would come sometimes, and now we seem to come most of the time. So the difference now about knowing about God to me and knowing God is that each day I speak to Him and each day. I try to pick up the Bible and have a read of it. I still don't think I'm very good at it. I, I explained to someone the other day that I think I'm back in kindergarten and for me it's a very big learning experience. But what I have come to learn is that um, there's not as many rules as I thought there was and the guilt, it really isn't there. You really just have to know that he loves you and as long as that you love him that it will be okay.
0: So that's sort of my story. Thank you, <laughs> nice. Thank you Kelly. <laughs> so we're gonna look at um, a passage in Corinthians, in second Corinthians chapter three, and verse seven to thirteen. So having a a reflect on what was just said, it was really about Rules and regulations, knowing about God, and that meant that I had to know He was holy, which is actually true. we do need to know god 's holy and and the law was there to teach us that we actually couldn 't be holy, strangely enough, and the law is amazing, it's good, it 's fantastic, and the Bible declares that the law is good and if you read Psalm 119 ever it 's the longest psalm in the Bible. Um, you will see that it talks all about the word of God, the law of God through that, and it just says how amazing it is. Anyway, let's read this passage. The old way, now the old way is the old covenant that that God had with the Israelites, with laws etched in stone led to death. Though it began with such glory that the people of Israel could not bear to look at Moses' face, whose face shone with the glory of God, even though the brightness was already fading away. Shouldn't we expect far greater glory under the new way now that the Holy Spirit is giving life? If the old way which brings condemnation was glorious, how much more glorious is the new way which makes us right with God? In fact, that first glory was not glorious at all compared with the overwhelming glory of the new way. So if the old way which has been replaced was glorious, how much more glorious is the new which remains forever? Since this new way gives us such confidence, we can be very bold. We're not like Moses who put a veil over his face so the people of Israel could not see the glory even though it was destined to fade away. So this passage comes from a letter to the Corinthians from Paul and Timothy and this is the second letter that that was written to them. The first letter was to correct all this bad behaviour that was happening in the church. There was a lot of strife and sin and sexual stuff going on and Paul had written this letter quite harshly to say to them, can you stop acting that way? That's not how Christians act. And then he talked about this new covenant in this second letter, what it's about, and he said, You know what? You're still having trouble. In fact, what had happened after that letter was written was that it caused more trouble. They started to divide themselves and they'd say, Yeah, well, I'm of, you know, Paul, I'm of Apollos, this is who I follow, that's who I follow. And so the unity of the church was being disrupted. And Paul's writing this letter to start to talk to them about how they can actually Change and it talks about this covenant, the new way of doing things. And it talks about what Moses wore. And what's this about? Well, when in Exodus, if you have your Bible and you want to look that up, you go and look up the stories in Exodus about the Israelites coming out of Egypt. They came to a mountain called Mount Sinai in the wilderness, and what happened was. God gave the Ten Commandments there and a whole lot of other commandments. It wasn't just the Ten and it was telling them how to live their lives in that. and that. And there's some verses there about Moses wearing a veil. Why was that? Because as God, as God met with Moses, as Moses met with God in this place called, it was a tent of meeting, and he was in the presence he had come out, the glory that shone from his face was too bright. The people didn't like it. They sort of shied away and they go, that's too bright. So Moses put a veil over his face to protect them from the glory of God, basically. And so there was that that veil on his face. So let's have a little read from Exodus chapter 34. We'll read a few of those verses. Uh, Verse 29, when Moses came down from Mount Sinai with the two tablets of the covenant law in his hands, that's the Ten Commandments, he was not aware that his face was radiant because he had spoken with the Lord. When Aaron and all the Israelites saw Moses, his face was radiant, and they were afraid to come near him. Verse thirty three When Moses finished speaking to them, he put a veil over his face. But whenever he entered the Lord's presence to speak with him, he removed the veil until he came out. When he came out and told Israel sorry, and when he came out and told the Israelites what had been commanded, they saw that his face was radiant. Then Moses would put the veil back over his face until he went in to speak with the Lord. Now, just an interesting fact that I looked up. well, it's not a fact, I guess, because I didn't really fully get it all, but how many times do you think Moses went up Mount Sinai? Anyone got a guess? We all know he went up to get the Ten Commandments, right? We know he came down, he broke them because the Israelites were worshipping this golden calf. But I went through that passage and I counted at least seven times he had to go up and down. It's quite funny actually because there's one place where God said to Moses, Now go back down to the people. And he was like, What? He said, Go back down. <laughs> and he's like, Oh man. But seven times at least. But it's amazing how God always calls us to himself, right? And he always wants to commune with his people. That's what he loves to do. So we're going to read another um, bit of scripture here in Exodus in chapter 33, verse 5 to 11. And this is about the tent where where Moses would meet with God. This was not the mountain, okay? As Moses went into the tent, the pillar of cloud would come down and stay at the entrance while the Lord spoke with Moses. Whenever the people saw the pillar of cloud standing at the entrance to the tent, they all stood and worshipped, each at the entrance of their tent. The Lord would speak to Moses face to face as one speaks to a friend. Then Moses would return to the camp but his young age Joshua, son of Nun, did not leave the tent. Did you see that last verse there? How did God speak to Moses? Face to face, as if he was speaking to a friend. Now this is a sign of what we are meant to be walking in as people. When it talks about the veil coming off from our eyes, it's so that we can actually speak to God face to face. Now We'll go, well, how can we do that? Like We don't have a place where we can walk into and, and God's glory is shining like, amazingly as it did with Moses. But we have a better covenant. And that's what the previous passage in Corinthians was talking about. It's saying, you know what, that old covenant, which was etched in stone, in other words, the stone tablets that Moses got, that was the old covenant, the law to say this is if you do these things, you can come close to me. It says that was a good way. It was glorious. So when it talks about it being glorious, it was like they came to this mountain and there was thunder and lightning and all sorts of stuff happening and fire and and all that stuff. And, and what God was saying was that was pretty glorious. There's something amazing happening there. But he said that was destined to fade away, just like with Moses and the veil. As he went into his glory, it did fade away. But now there's a different place where God writes his law and it's called our heart. When we believe in Christ, we do receive the Holy Spirit. He comes to dwell in us. God himself dwelling in us through the Holy Spirit. And now we are able to basically be face to face with God because the Holy Spirit has joined with our spirit. But not only that, it gives us access to pray, to seek God, to to seek his face. Raj, would you come up please? This is Raj.
2: (laughs) Yeah, I have a small testimony to share. Um, About three and a half years ago, because I'm an electrician, a builder asked me to do some work, some massive work. And we worked for about six months. Then he paid me a small amount. But when it came to the climax, didn't pay me a large amount. So I was worried about that. And I prayed about it. And uh, God communicated to me through dreams that he will be with me in recovering the money. So I was worried to take him um, to court or to have any legal action because of the huge amount involved. So God um, gave me encouragement that uh, he will be with me. So then I went forth and um, I successfully recovered all the money. it was an amazing thing that God stood by my side exactly in the way. Um, he promised me. He communicated me through dreams and He communicated me through the scripture. In every moment I was distressed and I was worried about that I'm going to be blown away because of the legal costs and uh, it went about half a million. So finally the God fulfilled His promise and um, I'm a sort of person that I believe Um, In our life problems, 95%, I have to work myself. I have to find my own way of solution. And 5% only, I should rely on God. I should not put so much stress on God. (laughs) But uh, my assumption is wrong. And uh, a brother in the church, um, Steve Anderson, he came one day and said, Hey, no matter how small or big your problem is, pray to God and uh, he will help you. So I've been exercising this. And uh, the God is helping me amazingly in every single thing, even small. When I pray, things are happening. And this is a new experience to me. When I was going through this um, the litigation process, um, the God reminded me several times to get up and read the Bible. Read the Bible. I was just ignoring and I thought it is just only some uh, thing in my mind. It's malfunctioning. Uh, But when it keeps coming on and coming on, and one day God sent me more clear indication that I should get up and read the Bible, then I did, I start reading it. And then I'm able to understand, and before I tried, I tried, I couldn't understand much of it, but I was able to understand, so I finished reading from the beginning till the end. So I got a very clear idea what God's purpose is for us and what God's love is, and how God deal, dealt with the people in the Old Testament days and New Testament days. And it is really amazing thing that uh, God revealed himself more clearly to me. Now I'm, I know what I'm doing, and uh, now I know where I'm heading.
0: Yeah, mm, yeah amen. Thanks, Raj. <laughs> so, <clears throat> Raj just talked today about how his eyes were opened. He started to see and understand what the scripture was saying. And that's one of the things that we can trust with God, that as we believe in Christ, there's a veil that gets dropped in our life. Let's go to 2 Corinthians again, chapter 3, verse 14 to 18. So this is talking about the old covenant again, and, think, and just keep in mind the fact that Moses was covering his face here. But the people's minds were hardened and to this day, whenever the old covenant is being read, the same veil covers their minds so they cannot understand the truth. And this veil can only can be removed only, only by believing in Christ. Yes, even today when they read Moses' writings, their hearts are covered with that veil and they do not understand. But whenever someone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away For the Lord is the Spirit and wherever the Spirit of the Lord is there is freedom. So all of us who have had that veil removed can see and reflect the glory of the Lord and the Lord who is a Spirit makes us more and more like him as we are changed into his glorious image. You see, Jesus' death and resurrection opened the door in and it took a veil that was across our eyes. If you are a believer you have to know right now there is no veil that is stopping you from understanding or connecting with God your Father. There's nothing now, if you believed in Christ, because we just read it, if you believe in Christ, the veil's been removed, there's nothing that can stop you getting to know God. And if you look at that last verse, the most amazing thing is that it says to us that the Lord who is the Spirit makes us more and more like him as we try really, really hard to be like him. No. He makes us more and more like Him as we are changed in His glorious image because why? The veil's been removed from our eyes and we can see and we can reflect the glory of God. There's another verse in the Bible that talks about while we look at Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, that's where the change happens. And so for us, it's not this struggle against sin. Sin has been defeated. That is the point of the cross. That sin on that day was condemned in body. Christ died for your sin and that's it. It's been dealt with. The Bible even makes it very clear. It says there's no more offering. There's no other way coming. There's not a new way, a new day coming that we can get our sins forgiven. It has been done on the cross. And what he's saying to us is now you have the opportunity because Jesus took your place, he opened the door to the presence of the Father, to the presence of the Father dwelling in you, that it's time you start to look at his face, look at his glory because as you do that you get transformed into the image of the Father. And it's not about looking at how bad we are, how sinful we were, how how horrible everything is, it's about how good he is. It's not about focusing on my weakness, but focusing on his strength, looking at him. And I'm going to show you practically very soon just how powerful the word of God can be in your life if you read it and then you go, I can understand it. Many people will say, before I became a Christian, I used to read the Bible, it was boring. I didn't know what it said, nothing happened, nothing changed in my life. But when I received Christ, all of a sudden it was like I understood like never before. It's like all of a sudden, literally, this, it's like something was taken away. I was blind, but now I can see. And maybe there's some people here today that are in that stage. You're like, what is this Christianity about? I've got friends, I've got family, they believe, but it just doesn't really make sense. Can I just tell you right now? It's never going to make sense until you put your faith in Jesus Christ. But you know that it's real because right now in your heart there's this feeling that maybe this is true. What, what if I receive Christ but it just sounds so crazy? I'm in control of my life, aren't I? And I don't really understand it. Who is this God? I don't really get him. But it's when we put our faith in Jesus that says there's a veil, drops. It's like, boom, wow. That's just crazy. The testimonies you'll hear from people I felt so dirty, so down, this, that and the other and I received Jesus and all of a sudden I had this peace. I don't even know what it was but I never had it before. All of a sudden I was more happy. I love people. Now we can let that die. We can go back under the law. There's no problem with that. We can do that if we want to. Even as Christians though we're free, we often don't take advantage of who he is and look into his image. We still sometimes fail to see that it's not about me trying to work hard, it's about me getting to know God. I'm looking at him, it's like this brightness shining on me and and it's even better than that because it says we're not like Moses who kept his face veiled. We go out of his presence and still the presence of God shines through us. I've seen it so many times in my life where people just seem to have this Opening up to me, not because of me. And usually it's when I'm seeking God, it's like, God, I just want to be used by you. Father, just shine a light through me today on this world. And, and I don't even have to try. It's like people will come and they'll start talking, and all of a sudden you're engaged in conversation about Him and who He is and, and the love that He has for us. At the computer shop the other day, <clears throat> that happened exactly like that. I just walked in, and He's like, blah, blah, blah. Oh, all these atheists, all they do is. They want the holidays of the Christians, but they're not even Christians themselves. They just want the holiday. They don't understand. Rah, rah, rah. And then we started talking. We talked about stuff and I said, isn't it so amazing that God loves us? And he was like, yeah, <laughs> it's amazing. But opportunities rise up, not because of you, but because of him. And it's always remembering, you know what, if you're not a Christian today, It's really not about you trying to do anything for God. It's just about you accepting that God loves you, that he actually wants you to be in his family and all you have to do is invite him into your life and I'll give opportunity for that later. How about we get Kylie up the front? This is Kylie. Hi,
3: I'm Kylie, yes. Um, Look, um, I remember many years ago when I was pregnant, the anticipation of um, having a baby. For many months I would ponder the gender and the name, the looks and the personality of this little one growing inside of me. One of the millions of combinations of genetic material that God had designed, he had placed one um, for me and for Mel. He had a purpose for them in this world and we were the privileged parents to raise Zoe and Katie. For many of you, you've been in similar times of anticipation for your children and it's exciting to see so many um, mums and mums-to-be in our church community. Anticipation stirs up many emotions, curiosity, excitement, fear, frustration... Questioning, thankfulness, joyfulness, and the list goes on. Yesterday, anticipation led to action and Mal, Katie and I created some Narnian trees for the up-and-coming Marara um, Christian School musical. It's called The Lion, the Switch in the Wardrobe and I'm just giving you a little promo to come and watch it. Um, but anyway, we... We thought and we made lots of comments throughout the day. We shared, we drew, we cut, we sanded, we painted and we assembled these trees. Um, Neil asked me to um, talk about entering into God's presence and how that's changing me. So where am I going with the word anticipation? Jesus anticipated and he went through everything that his father asked him to do. Matthew records that upon Jesus' death we see here the physical sign of the tearing of the curtain from top to bottom which opened a way into the Holy of Holies in the Jewish temple. And that represents us, each one of us, you and I, into a new and refreshing relationship with the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit. This invitation and the anticipation of each of us to be able to enter into the very presence of God. How do I enter into God's presence? I do live in God's presence every moment as I have Jesus and the Holy Spirit actually dwelling within me. That just blows my mind. How does this presence become a reality to me day by day? I actually anticipate I look forward to spending each day actually with the creator of the universe. Mm. He is the redeemer of my soul and he is my companion. I set my mind and my heart every day and that helps me focus and to recalibrate. My anticipation then leads to action. Things like, Um, to talking and to listening to Jesus, listening to worship music which celebrates him, encouraging others in their walk. When I was asked to share, the anticipation led me to action. A lot of nerves, as you know, Kelly and Raj. Because I'm someone who generally needs to be pretty prepared, I spent a long time pondering Um, and putting words to paper. This anticipation and action grew me over this last couple of weeks because I really wanted to share something that might speak to someone's heart. Over this Easter weekend, God has directed me to the very words that Jesus spoke and this is recorded in John 17, 20 to 25. He was praying for me. He was going to go through the cross, but he was praying for me. He was praying for you. He was praying for all believers. He said, my prayer is not for them alone. That's the disciples. I pray also for those who believe in me through their message, that all of them, that's you and that's me, may be one father Just as you are in me and I am in you, may they, that's you and that's me, also be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I have given them, that's you and that's me, the glory that you gave me, and they, that's you and that's me. Are you excited? He was praying for you. May be one as we, the Trinity, are one. I and them, that's you and that's me, that may be brought into complete unity. Then the world will know that you have sent me and have loved them. Guess what? That's you and that's me. Even as you have loved me. How extraordinary that every precise detail in Jesus' last week, his crucifixion, his resurrection, and antici- and was anticipated and carried out perfectly by Jesus himself. Through this act of love, it encourages me to be in his presence every day and to anticipate spending eternity with Jesus and all of his believers. You, and that's me. (laughs) His love is what encourages me. It prompts me anticipation that leads to action, to press on, to grow, and to share God's love with others.
2: Thank you, Golly.
0: So why does this matter? Why does it matter that God's opened this way for us? To say it again, it's not us struggling against sin. Sin's already been taken care of. It's important that we know because we have to know that by looking at him, we start to be conformed into his image and we begin to please him in ways that you'd never, never understand. And it's so true, we become what we're focused on. Guys, if you're focused on your shortcomings, you will live them. If you're focused on him and what he's done for you, you will be changed into his image. And you start to speak the truth about yourself. Now, I've I've shared a, a personal testimony before about this, about how I used to be quite prone to depression or depressive feeling. And it's like... One day God just showed me in his word that that was the wrong thing to do. It was like this veil came off my eye. It was like, Neil, why are you saying that about yourself? That is not what I've called you. That's not what I've said about you. And this is how it works. I started to go, oh, God, yeah, you're right. I'm not horrid. I'm not this. I'm not that. I'm a child of God. I'm loved by the Father. I have strength. You've given me joy. You've given me peace. You've made me one of your children. And I begin to focus on that but also resist the words that were being spoken to me by my own mind, no doubt by Satan trying to have a little crack. And as I begin to focus on that word of God, in about two weeks my whole life was transformed. That's quite quick. But it was this revelation from God about who I was and he came and showed me in the word through a scripture that I shouldn't be thinking like that about myself. I was encouraged to look at the person I was in Christ rather than the person that I thought I was. And so many of us struggle with that, don't we? We think that I need to change. Yes, you do. But you can't do it, you can't force it, you can't push yourself to change without the help of the Holy Spirit. And we have tremendous help from the Holy Spirit. That is God's power working in us. The Bible says it's the same power that raised Christ from the dead that will rise us again on the last day, but that power lives within us. And that's the whole point, that God is with us. All of a sudden, it's not God hidden away in this back room that I sometimes can go into. It's like God's with me every single day. And as Kylie was talking then, she was saying how it's every day. she's just walking with him. And it is powerful. It is so powerful to do that. So you can see that this way is being open to us, but practically, how can I take advantage of it? I'll just give you a few little tips. When you read the Bible this week, take note of passage, what the passage that you're reading and what it says about you, OK? When you pray, thank God for who you are and what he has done. So if we look at today's passage, for example, I'm going to show you how rich the Bible is. Okay, you ready? Just from that little passage in Corinthians, this is what I had. Number one, the Holy Spirit has given me life. Is that something to be excited about? I think it is. This is from God himself saying, the Holy Spirit has given you life. Well, I'm going to focus on that. The Holy Spirit has given me life. This glorious new way of living has made me right with God. Well, when I read the Bible, it says not only have I got the life from the Holy Spirit, but this new way has made me right with God. Is that something to celebrate? Absolutely. This new, new way gives me confidence, so I'm bold. What? You mean I'm not shy and withdrawn and, and afraid of the world? No, because this new way has made you bold and you have confidence. The veil has been removed from my eyes so I can, can look at and reflect God's glory. Oh, wow. You mean I can actually know God and, and he can be part of my life? That's from that passage. And One more, I have freedom because of his spirit and the Lord makes me more and more like him as I am changed in his glorious image. I have freedom because of His Spirit. That is a tiny little passage in the Bible. Yet if we mind that, the gold, the nuggets that are in there, they can transform your life. You can live your life, your whole Christian life, just on that. This is the glory and the power of the resurrection of Christ that this Holy Spirit is living in us. And as we look at him, as we keep our eyes on Christ, as we look at the word of God and we start to let that veil be taken off, and if you're not a Christian today, I can read those things and you're like, I don't know what that means. Absolutely right. But you can know what it means today. You can make a decision today that I'm going to give my heart to Christ. That I'm going to take this chance. I don't really know what it means. I don't know what I really think about it. But today is a day when you can say, you know what, I'm going to grab hold of this message and I'm going to believe in Christ and you will see. Excuse me. (coughs) You will see things that you've never seen before and God will make himself real to you. If you're a follower of Jesus, if you really love him, your eyes are open. And if you're not, what are you going to do about it today? Are you going to take the chance? I'm going to pray in a second. (coughs) Anyone who might not have followed Christ yet, hasn't given their life to him, to just pray with me. And ask God to come into your life, to open your eyes so that you can see. You don't have to put your hand up. You don't have to do anything today. What I'd love for you to do, if that's you this morning, and as I pray, that you just ask your family, your friend, whoever you came with, or come and see me if you're by yourself. Say, so, you know what? I prayed that prayer. I asked Jesus into my life. I believe in him. And I want to learn how to grow and know who God is. Talk to your family, talk to your friends. Keep coming to church if you're not sure, but you feel that stirring. You're like, I know this is real, but I'm not ready yet. (laughs) Let's close our eyes then and pray, hey? If that's you today that you just want to take this chance, invite... God, to come into your life, that you want to ask for forgiveness of your sin and you want to see who God is and know that relationship, just pray with me in your mind, in your heart and ask him in. Father God, I just thank you that this is a day where I understand that Jesus did die for me, that he rose again from the dead to forgive me from my sin. Today I ask that you would come into my life That you would show me who you are. I'm so sorry that I've been far from you, but I want to be close now. Cleanse me and make me whole. Fill me with your peace and your love and show me who you are. From this day forth, I just want to follow you. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, worshippers, please come up. really encourage you if you prayed that prayer talk to your family please let them know that you prayed it talk to your friend who brought you or come and see me and we'll we'll help you with the next steps of what it is to follow christ let's stand together hey and celebrate jesus